welcome in to another episode of Home Field Advantage. Hope you're all having a great weekend or week wherever or however you may be listening to us across our great nation or our great land. I'm Will Highland. It's December 18th, 2023. We're in the final stretch of 2023 and of season five of Home Field Advantage. So I thank all of you for listening to us, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, or if you watch on YouTube, we're so thankful that you have done so this year. We've had a great year, um, and there's more in store for us in the future. I'm not really coming into this podcast with a big agenda. You know, I'm recording around 6 p.m. on Sunday, and so I, I don't know how the late NFL games have ended. Um, you know, but what I do know is that it continues to be a fluid NFL. I don't have a I really don't have a thesis for you this week. Last week I had a thesis for you on the NFL. I don't have anything specific, excuse me, um, to really lay out that we haven't already talked about before over the last three months. Uh, This league continues to be a league where anybody can beat anybody on any any given day. And we've known that for decades. Um, We've known that for a long time. Uh, you know, but I, I look around the league and at some of the results that I've seen so far yesterday and today, even including Thursday night football, you know, Browning, Jake Browning, I think is, is his name getting a win for Cincinnati over the Vikings. You know, Jake Browning was cut by the Vikings, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Uh, and the Vikings clearly are a quarterback away from dominating this league. Um, with the amount of talent they have, um, the Kirk Cousins injury is really coming back to bite them in a very competitive NFC. I look at Joe Flacco coming back, and the Browns are hanging around. You know, like the Steelers, you know, the Steelers don't really have a lot going for them now. They've lost two consecutive games to the Pats and the Colts. The Ravens, I think we know are going to win that division, but it's really it's going to be the it's going to be the Bengals and the Browns, I think, running for that. Uh, second spot Um, and you know Joe Flacco would relish an opportunity as an elder statesman to go play a road playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens you better believe that they moved on from him so fast in fact in Lamar's first ever playoff game a lot of people forget it was a home game against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers and in my opinion, there's still the San Diego Chargers. You can take the Chargers out of San Diego, but you can't take the San Diego out of the Chargers. We'll talk about them in a second. But that was way back in the uh, playoffs of the 2018 season. It was Lamar Jackson's first playoff game. The Ravens were struggling to move the ball. Um, and Joe Flacco never saw the field and he never played for the Baltimore Ravens again. Lamar went on to win the MVP the following season, and he's having a great year this year, and he's going to probably go down in their franchise as one of their best quarterbacks. But Joe Flacco won them a Super Bowl in 2012. So I wouldn't put it out of the question that Joe Flacco would relish an opportunity, if given the chance, to go into uh, M&T Bank Stadium in the uh, second round of the playoffs, if they can make it that far. You know, should Baltimore get a buy over Miami? We'll find out a lot about that next week when those two play each other. Um, maybe it's the week after, I can't remember. But anyway, 
If they have a chance, I think the Browns would relish that opportunity. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, and I'm going to pull up the standings to sort of see the feasibility of that situation. You know, but you see Browning beat the Vikings, Flacco with a chance, possibly later on to face his old team in the playoffs. And, you know, I have a hard time not getting romantic about these kind of things. So I don't have a thesis on the AFC or the NFL writ large. But what I can tell you is, as I said last week, things are going to be different. And it's not going to be, I mean, the Chiefs looked beatable today. I mean, the Patriots, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking about the Patriots. I didn't do a live vid for my Pats fans. Maybe I'll do that later. Um, But, you know, they're, they're not great. And Bailey Zappi is pedestrian. Um, he played well in the first half, but I thought the pads had a chance, right? You know, they, they ended up losing by 10 sort of got away from him in the third quarter there with that early interception that led to a touchdown, um, by Zappi. Um, but, but I think the chiefs aren't who they were. They're going to have to go on the road and win. Lamar is going to have the C open for him, right? If they can beat Miami, whenever they play, each other, I think that's next week then he's going to have the path to the Super Bowl running through his uh, stadium. They're, they're really missing Mark Andrews, but they seem to not be missing a beat. Uh, but let's look here at the at the playoff picture. Right now, Baltimore is the one. Miami's 10-4, and four, so they remain the two. But they're going to play each other on New Year's Eve, so in two weeks. The Ravens also play the Jags tonight. I think the Ravens will um, ha- have their work cut out for them on the road in Jacksonville um, with a team that is also vying for playoff contention. And it could be a playoff preview of sorts. But, you know, getting back to the Browns for a second, right now they're 9-5 and five and they're in the fifth seed. It wasn't long ago where Deshaun got hurt and I was thinking, yeah, they're, they're, it's over for them. But they're nine and five right now. They're only, I think they have the same record as the Chiefs, right? Like the Browns are hanging around and they've got Joe Flacco playing well. They've got a re energized Joe Flacco. Now, look, I don't have to be a student of NFL history to tell you that there, there's a chance that this peters out with Joe Flacco and his age shows. You know, and I'm not saying he's Brady or Manning, but we saw Brady or Manning win Super Bowls at, at an age similar to Joe Flacco's. And we've seen guys like Kurt Warner make Super Bowl runs late in their career. Uh, we've seen backups make runs like Nick Foles or Colin Kaepernick make runs to the Super Bowl. So when it comes to these quarterbacks in the AFC and all these injuries that have happened, you know, this is, this is part of the reason why it's really hard to, it's really hard to imagine a scenario where, where we get the foregone conclusion uh, of an AFC championship game that a lot of people thought, you know, it was going to, we're not getting burrow in that game. Right. Um, 
So, so that's what we're going to see. We're going to see something different, I feel like. And so I'm going to continue that thesis, just showing you the Browns schedule here. The Browns don't have to play the Ravens again. So the Browns have uh, lost to the Ravens uh, once and beat them once. And the tiebreaker for intradivisional record. The tie, excuse me, the tiebreaker is intradivisional record. So, for example, Baltimore has a three and two record in the division, and so does Cleveland. If Baltimore loses to Miami and Cleveland continues to win out, you know they have the Texans, who who knows what C.J. Stroud's injury uh, situation will be. They have the Jets, and then they have the Bengals on the road. That game in Week uh, eighteen. On January 7th between the Browns and the Bengals in Cincinnati, that's an inter-Ohio matchup, or excuse me, an intra-Ohio matchup for probably a playoff spot if the Bengals can also stay where they are. But it could also have division implications if Baltimore, say, loses to Jacksonville tonight or loses, excuse me, to Miami again. So the AFC continues to just be interesting. I, I don't think you're going to have a situation where Kansas City uh, gets a home playoff game at this point. Although, unless things get nutty, uh, I think that the Chiefs have a tiebreaker over the Dolphins based on that German game or Germany game they had. Um, Buffalo, with what they're doing right now, if they can pull off a win against Dallas. They're up 21 to three at halftime as I speak. They'll be in the mix. Nobody wants to play them. And nobody, I don't think anybody wants to play Cleveland or Cincinnati with the house money that they're playing with right now. Indianapolis had a huge win. Their defense looked awesome against the Steelers. They're eight and six suddenly. And Denver with Russell Wilson, if they can put it together, they have a favorable schedule. They get the Pats. They get the Chargers and they get the Raiders. They lost to Detroit in an ugly game today, and which made them seven and seven. But if they can turn it around, they'll get the Pats on Christmas Eve. They can turn it around. That's another team that I wouldn't want to play with that defense and Russell Wilson and Sean Payton in the playoffs. So my point about the AFC is it's going to look different, and. I think the most entertaining matchup would be Joe Flacco going and playing the Ravens uh, in a playoff game on the road. Uh, We haven't seen something like that in recent memory that I can think of. So I would, I would be pretty intrigued by that. All right. Over in the NFC, just real quickly here. uh, I I hadn't had a chance to talk about them yet. The NFC is a little bit more cut and dry on the surface. However, if Dallas loses today. It's going to make it really interesting. Um, I think San Francisco is going to end up with the number one seed at this point because of their wins over Philly and their win over Dallas. Um, I think San Francisco, they just have the clearest path. You know, they had a win over the Cowboys on October 8th. They have a win over the Eagles two weeks ago. They're currently up on the Cardinals. They can get around the Ravens at home on Monday night on Christmas. They have an opportunity, as I said last week, 
to close out the season with wins with the Commanders and the Rams, which would put them in the driver's seat. I think the NFC division, East division winner will be the two seed. Um, then Detroit, with their bounce back win today, they are going to have something to say about that. Um, Detroit's schedule is also pretty favorable if they can take care of business in their own division. If they can take care of business in their own division and beat the Vikings in the two remaining games they have, that's a huge if, but they'll be in the driver's seat for their division and possibly the two seed. Easily speaking, right? I think I don't know what the scenarios are off the top of my head, but I have a feeling if they beat the Vikings next week, it's going to be pretty hard for the Vikings who are currently um, seven and seven to, to win that division. It's just mathematically not going to happen. So Detroit's going to have something to say about that, but I think still comfortably Dallas as even if they lose today, they have, the Lions, actually, I forgot about that completely on the 30th. That's a huge, that's a huge game. So actually scratch what I said, because I think I overlooked that completely looking at the schedule. So what I said about Detroit, you have the, you have the Lions actually with a pretty unfavorable schedule now that I look at it, because they're going to have huge division games. The Vikings are going to be hungry. They know the math. But if they even if they win their division, they might have something to say about it. And so I might be correct in that way. If they end up playing Dallas on the road on the 30th, that's a big spot for them. That's a big spot for Dan Campbell. That's a big spot for Jared Goff and, and the rest of that team. Um, but I, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time thinking that there's a... There's a scenario where, um, where the top three looks any different than San Francisco slash East winner slash Detroit. Because at this point, the Buccaneers are seven and seven. They have a win today over the Packers. That's huge in terms of playoff implications. That's massive um, for Green Bay to lose that game. It's Green Bay is essentially out of it. So is Atlanta and Seattle and the Rams, in my opinion. So you basically have the teams locked in, as I'd say, like New Orleans at the seventh seed with the Rams and the Bucks and the Falcons left. They might make some noise to try and get in as a four rather than a seven. That would be huge for them for New Orleans. Um, Derek Carson playing better. Minnesota. They're they're gonna have those two games against Detroit. Best case scenario, they split, and then meanwhile, they're still in the driver's seat for wild card because they have the Packers, right? I guess the Packers' only hope would be that they can somehow win out and that the Vikings and the Lions struggle in those games and beat up on each other slash the Cowboys. So the NFC bottom half is pretty, as I said last week, pretty tight. Um, I I would. I would continue to just point out that um, despite all these scenarios that I've talked about, anything can happen in January, and we know that. It, it, it's going to be it's going to be one of those years, I think, where you're going to end up with somebody in the conference championship game that you don't think really belongs there. For example, in 2018, 
you had a Case Keenum-led Vikings team. You had a Nick Foles-led Eagles team. And you had a Blake Bortles-led Jaguars team, all on Championship Sunday. And then, of course, you had Tom Brady's Patriots. But it was like, who are these people and what are they doing quarterbacking playoff games at this point in the season? Similarly, in 2015-16, you had a situation where A.J. McCarron was starting for the Bengals. The uh, Broncos had a problem with uh, whether Payne Manning was going to be healthy enough. So there was the Brock Osweiler situation hanging over them. I believe Brian Hoyer was starting for the Texans that year. And there might have been there might have been another injury thrown in there if I can remember correctly. Uh, I think the Steelers and Broncos ended up playing each other in divisional weekend. The Pats played the Chiefs, um, but it, it was just one of those years where uh, you know there there were a couple guys who made the playoffs. Just it seemed like by accident. So that could happen this year where you have some accidental playoff teams. But you're going to have some hungry players in there. Derek Carr's hungry. He's the first year with a new team. Joe Flacco's trying to end his career with, you know, a pop. Uh, you have the the Vikings and the and the Lions battling each other out um, in that uh, NFC. You have Dallas and Philly doing the same thing in the North. San Francisco with Brock Purdy. They're going to try and make up for lost time last year. I think they feel as if they missed out on an opportunity. And then last but not least, you can't, I mean, the Chiefs still have that magic uh, in them, uh, you know, and, and their end game, no pun intended, is to uh, is to get back and repeat. And it's Super Bowl or bust now for the Chiefs every year. So as I said last week, it's going to look different. And I haven't even got through the rest of the Sunday games. Who knows what the Baltimore Jaguars uh, situation looks like uh, at the end of the night. And, and I, and, you know, and these games that are just going to suddenly sneak up on you that are going to have very um, huge ramifications for the playoffs, whether that's Baltimore and Miami, Dallas and Detroit, or, you know, Cincinnati and Cleveland at the end of the year, all these games are going to make all of what I said in the last 20 minutes probably seem moot by the time we're in the first week of 2024. But this is the NFL. As I've said, it's a what have you done for me lately kind of league. All right. uh, Speaking of what have you done for me kind of lately, I think some Red Sox fans are getting frustrated. And, you know, I I know I'm going back to the well here with some of the topics from recent – episodes but this Yamamoto thing is uh, starting to get out of control uh you know I was told a week ago that when Shohei Otani signed free agency in the offseason was about to begin well since then it seems like pretty much only the Dodgers are making moves they you know they get glass now they acquire him he's going to be a part of their pitching staff they're going all in and it's it's actually funny because the Dodgers don't really go all in there's they've just been all in um, you know, I think the Yankees are, are, are trying to get there to, we talked about the, the Juan Soto trade, uh, and, and with the, with the Sox, it's sort of like, 
I hear all these people saying, well, the fan base is expecting them to be a World Series contender. No, I'm actually not. I'm expecting them to try and put together a roster because they're still a big market team, whether or not they want to admit they are or not. Right? Like usually it's a small market team trying to be a big market team. In this case, which is what the Padres have done recently and uh, ultimately failed at. But for the Sox, it's uh, you are a big market team trying to be a small market team. They don't need to scrape the bargain bin. You know, Tyler O'Neill will be okay. Some of these other guys, like, who knows? They'll be fine role players. But they should they should be in the mix for this Yamamoto kid. Um, I mean, there's been reports all over the place. I don't even know what to believe anymore. But I think Red Sox fans are, are getting restless. I've talked to a lot of them recently. Everybody's getting restless. When John Henry and company say things like, we're going full throttle in the offseason, and then, you know, we're almost at Christmas, and... You can't really point to anybody that they've signed and said that's their marquee acquisition. If their marquee acquisition is Tyler O'Neill, we're in big trouble. Uh, even the Orioles went out and got Craig Kimbrell, so you can say that they're attempting to go and get better. Uh, I, I'm worried about I'm worried about expectations versus reality here because the reality is that the Red Sox probably aren't going to be a World Series contender next year. That's the reality. The expectation is, I don't want them to be out of the playoff hunt by Labor Day. Now, in the age of expanded MLB playoffs, that's been the only reason why they've still been in the hunt, you know, as late as Labor Day. For all intents and purposes, they've been practically eliminated at the All-Star break. You know, mathematically, there's always a shot up until, unless you're really bad, um, you know, there, there's always a shot up until the end of the year. But but for for this Sox team, I think the expectation is put together a season like we saw in 2021. Like 2021, the expectations were on the floor, right? They exceeded them because they played really well early on. They petered out between July and August, but they came on strong at the end. They made the playoffs and they made a push toward the ALCS and ultimately to the world's uh, toward the World Series, but they fell just short in the championship series to Houston. That should be the expectation is I want this team as and I said this when Breslow was hired. I want this team to be competing as a top four team in the, in the league every year. Houston has made a model in the AL. Atlanta has made a model in the NL. You don't have to necessarily always get the biggest free agents like the Yankees and Dodgers do to constantly um, be competitive. Uh, you know, Jose Obreu, yep, he went to Houston. You know, the 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 Braves have their homegrown studs. We all know, um, but, you know, but they lost Freddie Freeman and actually I think put together a better, better year in uh, 2020. Two, excuse me, in 2023 than they did in 2022. The only problem is we, this expanded playoff thing has really thrown a wrench into what everybody does in October. But nevertheless, I think, you know, the, the, the Braves have looked good even post Freddie Freeman. And meanwhile, the Red Sox post Mookie Betts have been, you know, outside that one lightning in a bottle year not really competitive at all. Uh, 
So if I if so if I'm a Red Sox fan, which I am, my expectation is put together a season that fans are caring about. Because sometimes I got to the point where the losses just became so vanilla. It was like, yep, and here we go, another six to one defeat. You know, another game where you you start behind and then Alex Cora tells you post game that they just need to execute better. And the next thing you know, you know, they've lost, you know, seven out of 10. They're way too streaky. So I think just put together a competitive team, right? Is the expectation because the reality is we know we're not an immediate world series contender. So I disagree with the premise from a lot of Red Sox media people like Lou Maroloni who think that the expectation is that this team is going to be a world series contender. I don't have that expectation. I don't think a lot of Red Sox fans do. Not this year. I think this year the expectation is needle in a positive direction with competitive baseball late in the year. That's the expectation. And they can certainly do that. You know, you but you start looking at their lineup now, even Sans Verdugo, and you wonder, okay, story, is he gonna be healthy? Devers. You know, is he going to produce at the level that we've expected him to produce? And then it's Kosh is going to have sort of a sophomore slump of sorts, even though it's like year three or four of him. Last year was really his first full year with big league swings all season. And then after that, I sort of look around and Jaron Duran, Yoshida, uh, O'Neal. Reese McGuire. I don't know even know who's going to play second base. And then you're like, oh boy, this lineup is pretty thin. And I don't think I'm missing anybody. If I'm missing anybody, scream it from the rooftops. But then I get to that and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do here? What's the expectation? What's this lineup going to even look like? And we haven't even talked about the pitching staff because the pitching staff could be anywhere from elite if they get a guy like Yamamoto, let alone Montgomery or Seth Lugo or somebody else to compliment him. Or it could be really bad if Chris Sale is hurt again, Cutter Crawford um, shows growing pains, even though I think he's still a pretty good pitcher. Or, you know, Brian Bayo shows some growing pains or... You know, any of these other guys, you know, that's going to be a problem. And so with this Sox team, the question is, what's the, what's the expectation? What's the reality? I think the expectation right now, and at least it was going into the offseason, was that this team was going to spend, they were going to spend big. Hasn't happened yet. When we're eight weeks away from pitchers and catchers. All right, don't let it get lost in you just because it's not Christmas yet. Things are gonna, if 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 Yamamoto isn't signed by like Wednesday, I don't think it's going to happen before Christmas. Suddenly we're into January, and that's going to get dicey. That's going to get dicey fast. So, just throwing that out there. Got to have expectations on the Sox. All right, other things quickly. Um, I, I don't have a lot going on for episodes the rest of the year. 
but I did want to point out some programming notes before I closed up shop. First thing, I will try and do an episode. I think I'm going to try and do an episode Friday, December uh, 22nd. That will be anything that's happened, you know, NFL-wise, NHL-wise, NBA-wise, MLB, college football, college basketball, all that stuff. I didn't get a chance to talk college hoops today. Purdue took down Arizona. That was big. Um, But I think my plan will be to do a podcast on Friday, December 22nd. I probably will not do another one until the following Friday, which will be the 29th. That will be sort of gearing up for uh, bowl season and and whatnot. Um, And then maybe a year in review, so to speak. We might have a special out in between that if I can line up one of those. But my plan will be to do two more episodes. Um, I'll see if I can get a special going, maybe with Diesel or with Cam, whether that's an odd man rush special or something like that. Or a, uh, you know... Goat team draft. We did a goat athlete draft last year as a special toward the end of the year. Maybe we'll, and then we did a, we did the Chris Laval interview last year during the holidays. So I'll try and throw up a special if I can. Um, if I don't get to that, then we're still looking at two, maybe three um, episodes toward the end for the rest of the year. And then we'll be on to season six. We'll be on to 2024 and we'll be on to a lot of things. The NFL playoffs, NHL, NBA, college football playoff. We'll have off-season football pretty soon. We'll have the draft, which around these parts will be massive. We'll have the whole Belichick coaching. Is he staying? Is he going? We'll we'll, we'll touch on all of that in 2024. Um, But as I said at the outset, I appreciate all of you listening to us in 2023. You still have a little bit longer to go. Um, please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd appreciate that. And tell your friends. If you're hanging out at Christmas time. People are talking about podcasts. Say, hey, I listen to this guy, Will Highland. He, you know, gets most things wrong, but he's still a <laughs> in the sports world, but he's still a good guy, and I think we like his takes. Or you can say, uh, listen to this guy. Uh, he wears goofy trucker hats if you watch on the YouTube channel. Um, but but honestly, like that would be. Uh, super helpful we'd appreciate that you can also check out our link to our merch which is in uh my bio on instagram at homefield pod probably a little late for christmas gifts there but still check it out i'd appreciate it um but other than that hope you have a great rest of your week hope you have a good uh wrap up to the year if this is your last week of the year working i know it is for me i'll do my best not to screw anything up Um, But until next time, thanks for listening. My name is Will Highland, and this has been Home Field Advantage. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher. Be sure to also check us out two times a week on those platforms on Monday and on Thursday. All of the Sportland USA programs are independent, and the opinions expressed in them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.